Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to a little live training session. We're excited for what's happening today. Hi, Amanda. Hey, everyone. Hey, Marie. Hi. So friends, we are coming at you just with a little intro to a section of our first ever live training session that we did with fans and listeners of the podcast, members of the Braden Teaching Community. And it was pretty awesome. It was really awesome. I loved the opportunity to sit and concentrate so deeply on one area, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I love curriculum rehab. I love the full, big course overhaul everything. I love the workshop. I love the unit level, but there is something very personal and practical about this, like one hour concentrated. We're looking at this very specific thing, kind of a moment. Well, because we've done, you know, listeners, you've heard us talk through even, was it a couple of weeks ago where we replayed the cloudy with a chance of meatballs lesson walkthrough? Like that's niche down to like the lesson level. This is like a step between the lesson and the unit. And we're looking now at like an ongoing kind of project assignment, specifically synthesis writing, teaching it to and guiding students through the process of writing synthesis. It seems simpler, maybe at least, okay, speaking from my own experience, synthesis writing seems so obvious, like, oh, yeah, that's totally how to make it all work. Like you bring it all together with synthesis. And then it is a beast, like it can get out of hand and really, really big, depending on what text you're looking at, how many texts you're looking at, where your student's skill level is. And so in our conversations, and in a lot of our just conversations, questions and answers with a lot of you all in our community, we went, oh, this is a need. So let's boil down. How do we really do it? And like, you know, look at how the sausage is made, so to speak. So to speak. Well, and here's another thing is that I feel like this is not something readily available in terms of training anywhere. There's so much in our community about literary analysis, which I hope soon we'll do a live coaching session on that as well. Um, But that's easier to find support. I feel like when it comes to synthesis writing, I don't think I ever really learned how to do it from a professional. I learned from other teachers, which obviously are professionals, but I learned through experience more than anything else. And collaboration, right? Yeah, no, it, it was through like grassroots, not through like something organized that that's like also within the confines of an hour. This out, this episode, by the way, is not going to be an hour. We just have for you. We thought it would be helpful to at least hear the first section of this training. And so we're going to, you're going to hear us just talking through writing a prompt using essential questions, using supplements, like the things that you keep in mind when you are crafting a prompt for a synthesis writing assignment, and then a couple of different options for outlining. The rest of our training is absolutely available for you right now. Amanda, do you want to tell everybody what they'll also find in the rest of the training? Yeah, so the rest of the training, what we're going to walk through is 
some real life examples of writing. So I actually went through of the outlines that we share with you in this section, we then went into, okay, what does that outline look like in terms of writing? So what does a claim look like? Subclaims, evidence, commentary, linking statements. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the training was when we went through sentence frames. Yes. Because when we talk about synthesis, understanding and teaching kids how to synthesize is talk about an underserved skill for teachers. Like right. we haven't really learned how to do this. So uh, we provide in the training a real look at one specific sentence frame and how to extend that from either a sentence to a full paragraph um, or even into like the summative. And of course we have tons more. I think there's over 20 different frames that we share with you in the Google folder. And then after we kind of go through sentence frames and the outlining live experience of the writing, Marie then hopped in and talked about grading, scoring, and feedback and what that all looks like for synthesis specifically. Yes. So again, this right now, this episode is just the first section of this Mm -hmm. training for you. Let's look at prompts. Let's look at, you know, what it takes to put something like that together that's student facing. And then let's look at how to begin leading students through this and looking at different outline options. Then the full-blown training has all of the things we're talking about, resources in a Google Drive folder for you. Um, I'm trying not to overwhelm our friends who are listening at home right now. But if you head to the show notes or head to bravenewteaching.com slash coaching, you can see more of what we're talking about and see all of the things that are included. We've got rubrics ready-made for you and you can just edit and change them as you need to. We want to make this as simple as possible because we know from our own classroom experience that synthesis is really where it's at. Like it's the highest level of critical thinking for our students. And so we want to help make that possible more and more readily available for your classrooms because it's hard. So let's start here. Right? Right. Yes. And my, my last comment would be, if this is something that you are like, oh my gosh, I missed it. Like, I missed the live. No worries. Like This is your chance to get a taste for it. And then you can go purchase everything on the back end, right? So like, we're going to oh, yeah. give you all those links in the show notes. But if you really don't want to miss these in the future, I cannot recommend highly enough being a member of Happy Hour. Our Happy Hour teachers came to this event for free. This was included as being a happy hour member. And this is something that is one of the biggest perks of being in that community is little perks along along the way, trainings and things that you don't have to worry about. We're just going to, they're part of that membership. So think about being a part of happy hour so that A, you don't miss it and B, you just get it. Yeah. And you get to hang out with us. You know, it's so fun. More. All right, friends, we're going to jump into a little section of this training. Like we said, to get the rest of it, head to the show notes, head to bravenewteaching.com slash coaching. And it's time to cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. jump in. Let's, let's do this. Shall we? I'm ready. I'm going to jump to the second 
bullet points. We've had a few friends join us since we were talking about it before. Your materials and resources, we're going to be referring to them quite a bit. We're going to stay on the slides, but we'll refer to the actual resources. You have access to all of those. So it's in our chat. If you're joining us a little bit later, though, if you just head to where you're... Sorry, I got so excited. I threw my microphone. Um, if you head to where you're accessing this video and scroll down to the bottom of the page on shop.bravenewteaching.com, you will find buttons to all of the different things, to the uh, sentence starters, to the rubrics, to all of the things that we're talking about. So just know it's all there and drop any of your questions as we go in the chat. Yeah. Yes, please. We are going to be having a Q&A at the end of this event. So Megan Baker in the chat is going to be kind of collecting your questions for us and she's going to send them over and kind of help prompt us through that Q&A part at the end. So feel free to ask them and we will address them all once we kind of get through all of the things. Um, we will start with some welcome and introductions. We've already got the gist on our resources and prompts. We're then going to kind of walk you guys through, like we said in the the marketing of this event is we want to take you from start to finish with the synthesis essay. So we want to start with setting up the prompt, move through the outlining process, through some sentence frames, and then getting into the grading, scoring, and feedback. Obviously, right, we're gonna try, we're gonna tell you as much as we possibly humanly can in this hour, but I'm sure you're gonna have questions and I'm sure we might go too fast through an area that you wanted more time in. So feel free to follow up with us on anything that you want to. So this is us. I'll go first. My name is Amanda. If this is your first time attending a Brave New Teaching event, thank you for coming. We're so happy you're here. I am Amanda, and I am a former high school English teacher. I taught for 13 years. I am currently on a little bit of a hiatus with both like uh, school reasons, but also family reasons that we're, we're going through some, some things right now in our health wise. Um, but we're so happy to have this outlet of still being in classrooms. I am currently writing resources. I am coaching and I am traveling to do PD while I am taking this little break from the classroom. So that's me. And I'm in Northern Illinois is where you can find me. And I am at mud and ink teaching on Instagram. And I am Marie and I am the teacher that gets the most coaching from Amanda, because I have daily <laughs> access to her all day long. Now I, yeah, I'm Marie. I'm in San Diego, California. This is my 17th year in the classroom. I am teaching high school English and theater. And this year I have all juniors. And for some reason, it happens to be working out very well that with my junior class, most of what we talk about here on Brave New Teaching like synthesis writing applies directly to my classroom. And so I'm able to either refine some of the stuff that we're talking about as we talk about it or like in preparation for what's coming to all of you. Or I'm able to like test things out in a really cool way. I'm at a sweet spot in my career where I've been doing this long enough that I feel really confident in what I'm doing. And I also feel the confidence to be able to fail. You know what I mean? And like, how I, I have the grace to be like, well, that's not going to work or like whatever it is. I absolutely love what I do. And I love being in a place where I can work with my best friend and with all of you and try to share the love that we have for working with kiddos, even when they're a little intense, like they have been so far this year. Still love them and finding ways to make that just smoother and just retain that joy 
right? So I'm excited to share with you, like I started saying at the beginning, a lot of this is what started to make writing in general work better, but specifically synthesis, I find is the most impactful type of writing in my classroom when we're talking about analysis. And so, yeah, I just did a paper. We're going to talk about it. Shall we? We're going to talk about it. Um, But before we talk about it, we want to give a big confetti throwing shout out (laughs) to our happy hour teachers. There's a lot of you here who are here for free. You are, you came because happy hour teachers get some pretty sweet perks. And this is one of them. Attending our live events is a free perk. And we're so happy that you're here. Thank you for all of your, yeah, cheers to you. And to anyone who wants to join happy hour, we can talk to you more about that at the end of the show, but yeah, thanks for coming. Right. Absolutely. Okay. This is the show. Shall we dive in to writing the prompt? If you've been through curriculum rehab or listen to certain episodes of our podcast, you will really know that we are all about starting with the bookends of any sort of a unit, any sort of a project assignment. Start with the end in mind, but to get to the end, you also have to start at the very, very beginning. And for us, that is essential question and assessment. And Amanda is the reigning queen of inquiry and essential questions. And whenever I need to refine mine, I go straight to her every single time. So she's going to talk to us a little bit about that at first. I have always, once I really understood from my like credential program, what it meant to backwards plan, it was like all of these, it was like the queen's gambit, you know, how like the things go in the sky up above her. If you've seen that show, like I went, oh, I get it now. Like I kept hearing backwards plan, backwards plan, backwards plan. Once I got it, I got it. And this is a very good example of exactly that. So do you want to talk about these essential questions and just like a quick little, these are straight from our dystopia workshop, which you all know because they should look familiar to you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I will. I would be happy to start. So when we talk about essential questions, which there are hundreds and thousands of maybe not hundreds and thousands, but we have lots not of yet. episodes. There will be <laughs> lots of episodes where we've talked about that together. And we have, for as long as we've talked about essential questions, we've always talked about keeping the end in mind because your essential question is your assessment. The entire goal of an inquiry-driven unit, the goal of an essential question-based unit is for the students to be able to answer that question at the end of the unit with more sophistication, more complexity, more knowledge than they had at the start. So this is where also, this is not a, I don't want anyone to be feeling like this is something that's easy and just kind of fell out of the sky for us. There's a lot of massaging of questions and adjusting that has to happen for it all to feel like it fits perfectly. So we're giving you these because these have already gone through that process. When I design an essential question, I'm not only thinking about how will this look in the unit, but I'm thinking about how will this look when students are writing about it? Or conversely, there's a lot of other ways to do this too. I also think about these questions. How will they do leading a Socratic seminar? You're actually getting two for one today because pretty much everything we're giving you here is also very useful for leading Socratic seminar as far as synthesis goes. That's the goal of a Socratic seminar as well as a synthesis essay is to combine all the learning from the unit in one argument at the end. And that argument is answering the EQ. So we've got two to look at today. You've got them in your handout. So make sure that you have found all that. You can see the bigger screen. We didn't want to be like screen sharing because then everything gets really tiny and then I've got to zoom in and out. Brave new teaching friends, it's time to get serious about reading. I have a feeling if you are here and you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a reader just like myself and just like Amanda. 
But I don't know if we have fully explained the ritual that at least I have around reading in my daily life. It is very much a part of my routine. It is how I settle in each night and how I get myself ready to just relax and go to sleep without fail every single night of my life. I read for at least five or 10 minutes because it resets my brain and it allows me to let go of the day as best I can and get going. And so I wanted to talk to you about my essentials for reading um, because this little routine, you know, you see on like TikTok and like YouTube, different nighttime routines. Okay. I don't have all that. Yeah. I totally wash my face and brush my teeth, whatever. That's super mundane. But my reading routine is something that I I, I think is pretty phenomenal. So I'm going to tell you all about it. So let's set the scene, shall we? I get my kids in bed. My kids are seven and 10. Seven-year-old pretty much turns over and passes out, which is a skill I wish I had, but she's just amazing at it. 10-year-old is doing his own version, basically pared down with all, all the bells and whistles of what I'm doing, but in his room. He's got his book and he's got a few of the essentials I'm going to tell you about. And then everybody goes to sleep. So we're in our respective beds, right? I, after getting them in bed, walk into my room. Maybe I've got some twinkle lights going. I don't know, but that's not one of the essentials. The first thing that I do with my essentials is I turn on my candle warmer, not just any candle warmer. This one has a timer because this way I can turn on my candle warmer. And once I get into bed, I don't have to get back out. I can just stay there the whole time and the candle warmer can be like across the room, fill the room with sort of just a nice aroma and then turn itself off and I don't have to worry about burning my house down. So that's number one. I'm in bed. I cozy up with a blanket that is just heavy enough that it's kind of like got a weight to calm me down. It's not quite a weighted blanket, although that is one thing that my 10-year-old has a weighted blanket to help his little body calm down from the day. Um, But I've got a blanket that's the right weight for the season. I generally put a heating pad on my neck so that I can just kind of like melt in and relax. I clip on my book light that has been charging next to my bed, like by my nightstand all day long. And I set my book on a pillow. You know, those like triangle wedge pillows. That is absolutely my saving grace. I bought myself one of those when I had wrist surgery a couple years ago. I liked it so much. I bought one for my daughter. I bought one for my son. I have bought these for people as gifts like many times. So if all of the things that I'm describing right now are you're like, oh, I already have all that. Think about like gift giving and the holiday season coming up and who could maybe benefit from some of the items that we're talking about here in this reading essentials list. You know what I mean? So here we are. Candle warmer is on. Book is on the pillow. So it's just kind of resting there. We're all cozied in the blanket. We're relaxing with the heating pad. We've clipped on our rechargeable book light. We've got some sort of a drink next to us. Maybe it's some tea. Maybe it's just really cold ice water. Just something to make us nice and calm and comfortable. And then you just dig into your book. And I'm telling you, it's the best thing in the world. Because then when I'm done, I just turn everything off, unplug it, the candle warmer goes off on its own, and I slide into dreamland until about 3 a.m. where my anxiety wakes me up. But those first five hours, let me tell you, are something very special of sleep after I get my good reading routine in. I have, I will put in the show notes for this episode, a link to my Amazon storefront that has all of these 
essentials that I like the exact things that I use. And honestly, use what you like, add what would make it feel more like you. The key here is to have a nice little routine because it just is something to look forward to. It makes you feel, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit more put together, if that makes any sense, when I have this just like nice routine to like lean on. And it's something I just do for me. It is absolutely my version of self-care. And there is just nothing better than my reading pillow that I just like... (laughs) put my book on. I keep my like glasses, my favorite glasses that I read with at night. I have many different pairs of glasses. These ones stay in the little pocket on the side of my reading pillow and it's just delightful. So I hope you enjoy and let's, uh, you know, all read together. All right, let's get back into the show. The first prompt that we talk about and we will walk you through today is this one. According to the readings provided, to what extent is our own society a dystopia. Other versions of that have been to what extent is America a dystopia, right? You can kind of play with depending where you are located or what you want to argue, but to what extent is our own society a dystopia? The other prompt is asking to what extent is rebellion a requirement for society to progress? Both of these are to what extent questions, which means we're asking the students to pick a place on a continuum and say, from from here to here, we are, but maybe not here. Or in most ways, we are, but in a few ways, we aren't. We want to give them the chance to, to build that language and make those arguments. The rest of the I prompt- want to interrupt you. I'm going to oh, interrupt you for a second. These these are pretty advanced prompts. Yes. So, like, I don't I don't want these to discourage you. Uh, the synthesis essay I just did with my juniors is the first big piece of writing. And it was a definition. It was what makes a great leader. So like, it doesn't have to be in order to do synthesis. It doesn't have to be like this. The beauty of why synthesis is because it what it's what keeps things interesting. Too many times do we get in secondary ELA to a point where students are giving us book reports instead of literary analysis, right? It's just a recounting and a quick little interpretation of what happened in a text and not so much analysis. Synthesis forces them to mesh things together in a way that is thought-provoking and highly analytical. And it pushes into those critical thinking skills that we want, especially in 21st century learners. So dystopia, which is why we wanted to work through our dystopia workshop attendees, right, with all of you in this is also lends itself so brilliantly, as we all know, having gone through that workshop and seeing all of those different texts, why not take all of the different texts that we talked about in dystopia and mesh them together into a synthesis type thing. So you could definitely use other EQs from the workshop or ones that you kind of like take from there and then stem to create your own prompting. I just wanted you to know, like Amanda and I are working through today, pretty advanced prompts, but these can work their way down to different levels and you can uh, scaffold really nicely for different types of learners. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. And I've actually, I've got the chat open on my phone and and there's a couple of things I do want to address right in the moment. These are two prompts for two different units. I would never use two essential questions at the same time. So again, like if you have not gone through the dystopia workshop all the way, or if you have not really kind of grappled with that, I would say the the danger with two essential questions is that I haven't taught to both essential questions. There's no way to do both. We're just giving you two different options because 
you can envision two different units. But the goal here is to, at the very bottom of the prompt, it says, please choose your evidence from the following texts. So the goal of the response, so when students write a synthesis, they're going to answer that question completely dependent on the supplements and the core text that you chose for this unit. So we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of AI shenanigans and like all that stuff that's going on, but not yet. But not, not today. <laughs> but for the most part, I think that's another reason that I love this form of writing because it's very intimately connected with the very specific line of thinking that you've been tracking all unit long in class. Also, because you started with this essential question and ended with this essential question, most of your students aren't going to be surprised that this is what we're doing at the end. Fewer of them are going to hit the panic button. And a lot of times, right, when we see kids cheating or plagiarizing, it's because they're blindsided by what they're asked to do and freaking out. There are a lot of other reasons that kids do the things that they do. But I have found for sure that because we've worked through all of these texts together, we've been adding to an evidence tracker together. I've been asking you this question over and over and over again. They arrive at this this synthesis assessment feeling very confident. So Quick thing too, a synthesis paper is not a research paper. A research paper requires synthesis, but this is not a research paper. We're giving them all of the texts because we don't want research to be one of the skills that we are grappling with. I just needed to like remind us all of that. Research is something different that can probably be added on later. You want synthesis skills before you bring in students pulling in their own resources. Absolutely. We are giving the sources. Yeah. So here are our outline options. And so there are, of course, could you do more things? Sure. But I think let's simplify it to two ways of approaching any synthesis question. The first, and I think the more applicable and probably the first way I'd want students to grapple with this, this is like late middle school, early high school, would be allowing them to organize their argument by source. So I'm going to ask you, to what extent is America a dystopia? You're going to say, according to Fahrenheit, it's this. According to the lottery, it's this. According to Wally, it's this. We're going to make our argument by source. And then the synthesis part comes more either in the conclusion, like the, the ending sentences mm-hmm. of those paragraphs, and then the conclusion itself. Is it true synthesis? Would an AP Lang teacher recommend this to their classes? No, they would not. But it's a great starting place and it's a doable thing for students who are struggling writers or are just doing synthesis synthesis for the first time. Yeah, it's the building block, right? Because once you can do it by source, it really, if you backtrack ahead of this, it's a single source lit analysis essay. It's a theme essay. It's a basically, yeah, it's a theme essay. And then you take the theme essay and you plug in a couple of sources. So our dystopia texts work brilliantly here. I'm going to plug in the Grace here and Harrison Bergeron. I'm going to plug in Fahrenheit and uh, I don't know, Unwind. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the same theme with now two different sources, but I'm going to block those out. Then when you move into the more advanced, which is what I'm asking juniors and seniors to do for the most part, or maybe like honors sophomores, because at least in my classroom, I want to really solidify those writing skills before I push into uncharted territory. Then I'm going to start organizing by concept. I'm going to start looking at instead of text by text, I'm going to look at where does each concept apply in various texts. 
Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.